Hey everyone, welcome to the Voice of Social Sales. I'm your host, Chelsea Pites, and I'm excited because today we're going to be answering all of the questions I've been getting from the audience, the listeners, all the people that I've been speaking in front of at conferences. I finally decided, okay, I've been amassing all of these questions and I'm teaching people to create content from the questions that they're getting from their ideal customer or audience. So today it's the FAQ show, my most frequently asked questions will be answered for you today. Now, before we dive in, don't forget to connect with me over on Instagram. I'd love to connect with you, follow your content, send me a direct message. Let me know that you came from the Voice of Social Sales so that we can make sure we are connected. You can find me on all the socials by my name at Chelsea.Pites. That's P-E-I-T-Z. Alrighty, let's dive into this. This is not in any particular order. I just happen to be writing down a whole bunch of the stuff that I've been getting asked, whether it's in person or via my Facebook page or my DMs, wherever it may be. So let's get into this. Facebook, of course, has been on my mind a lot lately. So let's talk about Facebook ads. Now, a lot of people say, ooh, Facebook ads, they're just difficult. They're, I don't understand them. They're always changing or I tried them and I didn't like the leads or the leads weren't good. Well, I am not a Facebook ads expert. I defer to uh, Mr. Travis Tom, who you have heard here on the podcast before. If you haven't, I think it might be episode 15 you want to go back and listen to. He is incredible. So I defer everything over to him when it comes to expertise in Facebook ads. However, I have been studying Facebook ads for a number of years, and I do understand how they work, and I understand how to break it down so that people can be really successful with them. So I want to talk a little bit about laying the correct or appropriate or proper foundation for success when it comes to Facebook ads. Four or five years ago, the ads on Facebook were, let's just face it, a lot easier. You could go in there, use all the data and targeting that Facebook would offer to you and put in, you know, 10, 20, 40, 100 bucks and generate some leads. Well, things have changed. A lot more people are using Facebook ads now. And just let me give you a caveat. You do not need to pay Facebook for leads. You absolutely can effectively generate free organic leads by using social media and traditional marketing. Old school, new school, whatever it is, face-to-face, you do not need to pay to play on social media. Now, if you're not going to pay to play, you have to have a plan, you have to be consistent, you have to have a brand, you have to be proactively engaging. So I don't want you to think that I'm saying you have to do Facebook ads to generate leads. You do not. I have successfully done organic social media for years and have not had to pay for leads. But now that I've put that disclaimer out there, let's talk about how you can be successful or more successful with Facebook ads some YouTube videos and just diving right into Ads Manager to create this ad that you think about what are the things that I'm going to need to put into place to be super successful or as successful as I possibly can and invest my money and get a higher ROI. The first thing that you need to do is you have to have a CRM system. You have to have a system that is a long-term lead nurture system, whichever system that is for you. And not only are you going to have to have one, you're going to have to figure out one, how am I going to import the leads that are coming from Facebook? Is that going to be an automated process? 
Am I going to have to use a third party like Zapier.com? Am I going to have to contact my CRM provider and ask them if they have an API that connects from Facebook to my CRM? And once you figure that out, you have to ask yourself, what are the notification settings? Does my CRM give me a notification every single time a lead is imported? Because it's not going to do you any good to run Facebook ads and get leads that are living or sitting in your business page that you have to go in there manually and extract and or if they're piping into your CRM and you're not getting a notification. It's all about speed to lead. So these are things that you have to think about prior to even setting up that ad. Once you have your CRM in place and you know that you're using a third-party system or you've connected with your CRM uh, provider and said, hey, is there a way to extract these leads from Facebook? What's the best way to get notifications? Great. Now you need to be thinking long-term. Have you set up at least 12 months of email drip campaigns to stay in front of that lead? You have to remember, people who are coming to Facebook may not be ready to buy right away. They're going to Facebook not typically to look for a home. They're going there to connect with family and friends, post information, and may happen across your ad. That's called demand generation. You are generating the demand. Whereas if I'm going to Google or a website just specifically having to do with real estate and homes, I'm probably looking to sell or buy something. So that is demand fulfillment. I go to Google, I put in whatever my topic is, and here comes all the answers. Those people are further down the funnel. So you're going to have to keep in your mindset that this is probably going to be a lot longer term lead uh, nurture than some of the other ways that you might be generating your leads. So now that you have your CRM, your long-term drip campaigns, you need to also be thinking about once those leads come in, how are you going to contact them? How many times are you going to contact them? Are you going to call and text and email? I would recommend that you are definitely calling and texting. Texting seems to be working for a lot of the people that I am talking to. You might want to make sure that you already have some effective text scripts for those lead conversions. Now, I know also some people are leveraging um, inside salespeople, somebody on their team, or they're outsourcing to other companies with live people who will actually call and text for a fee and warm up those leads for you. So you might want to decide, hey, if follow-up is not really your gig and that's okay, we can all say we all have strengths and weaknesses, then if you're going to spend money on Facebook ads, it's really important that you have a plan in place to follow up long-term. The next thing you have to think about is your website. Do you have a privacy policy on your website? This is something that you may have never heard of before. Basically, a privacy policy is a a boilerplate template, some verbiage that you would put on your website that says, hey, if you give me your contact information, I'm not going to go and do something that I shouldn't go and do with it. I'm not going to sell it, what have you. Now, you can just Google privacy policy templates. There are tons of websites that you can use as those uh, boilerplates and copy and paste them into your website. Your website, if it's provided by a larger company, likely already has a privacy policy in place. Uh, Typically where you can find this is if you go to your homepage and scroll all the way down to the bottom in small fine print, you'll see something that says privacy policy. Typically you can click on it. It opens up a new page and it will have the verbiage there. Now, if you don't have one, you're going to need to get one because if you want to use the lead generation ads with lead ad forms in Facebook, which are performing really well right now for the real estate industry and generating leads, you will have to have a privacy policy because people are going to be uh, submitting a form with their contact information on it. So you don't want to get all the way down to the last part of the ad and then realize, whoops, I don't have a privacy policy. You need to be thinking about that. 
The next thing you have to think about is, okay, what kind of lead magnet am I going to provide? And a lead magnet is the carrot that you're dangling, the offer. It could be a free list of homes, all the open houses in a specific zip code on a certain day. It could be a FISBO guide, a buyer-seller guide. It could be, you know, five tips to selling your home for 10% over asking. You know, anything that you have created, it doesn't have to be something that you've paid for. You might have partnerships or vendors that you can connect with that could help you provide that data. It could be a market report, um, but you have to have that in mind. And if it's something that you're going to have to create, whether you're going to go to canva.com or Fiverr or hire somebody to kind of make a guide for you, then you're going to have to think about that and have it at the ready and have that all done so that when somebody clicks that ad, you have it set up either on the landing page or through your email system to trigger to actually go out and be able to be downloaded immediately by those people clicking the ad. You also need to have a, a mindset that at any moment, I'm laughing because if you've listened to these podcasts, you know that I've talked a lot about the Facebook changes. At any moment, there could be changes to Facebook ad categories. It could be um, changes to how they allow you to use previously loaded custom audiences. They can change anything at any time. And so we have to remember that if we are relying on really any platform to be marketing or generating leads at any time, that is borrowed land and they could change it. Specifically in our industry in real estate, we've had a lot of changes that have happened mainly because of the data breaches and the HUD lawsuit that was just settled. So it really is affecting a lot of our industry as far as placing Facebook ads. So they have to have that mindset going in. The last two things that I think you should really do to be super effective with your Facebook ad strategy is to one, set up business manager, Facebook business manager. Now, if you've been doing ads, you've probably been familiar with Facebook ads manager. Facebook business manager is, um, it's sort of like uh, ads manager plus. Um, it's the same, it's a separate standalone, but it's it looks and feels a little bit similar. Uh, the reason that they have this is, again, because they've had so many issues with ads, they're trying to create a platform that is, you know, streamlined, easier to navigate, and a bit more transparent. I will not comment on the easier to navigate side for Business Manager. I don't find it personally easier to navigate, but some people might. Uh, but now, if you want to upload custom lists, customer files, uh, CSV files that you have, you are going to have to set up a business manager account because they are requiring that now prior to you being able to upload. So if you've in the past done ads a year ago and you were able to upload lists into ads manager, you're not gonna be able to do that. And you haven't been able to do that for a number of months now. And then last but not least is installing the Facebook Pixel, which is a long, I don't know how many numbers in it, 16, 17, 20 digit number that is sort of like your driver's license number or your social security number. You'll get one, it's unique to your ad account and you can place it on a landing page or website and it will allow you to retarget visitors who have landed on that website but may not have filled out your information form. It's kind of like when you go to Amazon and you're looking at something, maybe you put it in your cart, but you don't buy it. And suddenly you see that thing all over the internet following you around. It's sort of like that. That's called retargeting. And when you install the Facebook pixel or copy and paste it into the back end of your website, you are then able to create custom audiences of website visitors and you can retarget by sending additional ads to those people. Now, that's a lot of stuff to prepare for your Facebook ad campaigns. Once you have most of those in place, you're going to be pretty much good to go. But you have to really think about, did I do all of those things? 
before I started placing ads. And if you didn't, I would encourage you to go through that list and try it again and see if you have a different outcome. So that is question number one. Facebook ads did not work for me. What did I do wrong? Question number two is, should I be posting to all the platforms all at once? And how often should I be posting? I love getting this question. Uh, You know, I have a unique viewpoint on it. I don't know. I, I know that some people disagree with it. And I think there's people out there that say, yes, you've got to blast everything everywhere. For me, I really believe that as a consumer, as a user, people are utilizing at least two apps. I'm going to say Facebook and Instagram. And I think that if you uh, cross post everything that you have, let's say you're doing a video and you posted to Facebook, maybe you're using a third party scheduler and you're posting it everywhere at the same time. Not everybody can be everywhere at the same time. So um, if I'm going to go to Instagram and I might see your video and then I go over to Facebook and then I'll see it again. And so then you're seeing sort of like repeat content. What I like to do is take that same piece of content and instead of just posting the exact same piece of content everywhere all at once, I kind of feel like you just like get that one shot. I like to have a little bit more than the one shot. I like to be able to maybe take pieces of one of my videos. Maybe I do an IGTV video. I could edit that down to a minute. I could put it in the feed of Instagram instead of just IGTV. IGTV because I'm limited to 60 seconds there. I could take um, a screenshot or a story, a picture. I could create a little story of me creating the video or saying, hey guys, I'm just about to create an IGTV video. Here's my topic. I could use that as a story. I like to take the one piece of pillar content and I like to either piece it out, edit it down and put it on the different socials. I also like to use it on different days. So if I have a video or if I go live on Facebook, great, download it, save it. You should be saving all of your content. I eventually could put that over onto YouTube or I could edit it down and I could repurpose it over to LinkedIn and I could write a blog post or an article in LinkedIn about that video as well. So I personally don't do a lot of cross-posting all to all the platforms all at once. I don't use third-party schedulers either. I'm not against them at all. Uh, I know a lot of amazing social media agencies uh, leverage them and are super successful with them. Uh, I have used Planoly, which is kind of a, an odd uh, word, but I'm going to have to spell it for you. P-L-A-N-O-L-Y, Planoly. I've used that for my Instagram feed just to kind of see what things would look like in my grid as I'm posting them just to kind of see if they they line up and they look good and I like the colors, but I don't use that to actually post. I will actually make all of my posts myself. Now, again, maybe I'm old school. A lot of people are probably like, oh my gosh, you're being so inefficient. You should use a third-party scheduler. Um, you certainly can. I know that there are a lot of people are loving Agora Pulse. A lot of people use Buffer. They have freemium versions, uh, probably 10, 20 bucks a month if you're looking into something like that. A lot of people ask me if the algorithms negatively are impacted by third-party schedulers. I don't know. I mean, you you hear so many people say yes, so many people say no. I will say that I do think the platforms like it more when you're posting natively, um, but I don't know that it's any kind of negative impact enough to actually not use them. So um, not saying you shouldn't use third-party schedulers. I'm just saying that I have chosen not to. And typically, I will take one piece of content and I will space it out 
and not share it in the same place uh, at all times. And maybe a week later, I can use that same video or a form or edited version of that video onto another platform. So that's what I like to do. As far as frequency, this is something that I talk to a lot of people about. And again, I think I have an opinion that isn't probably... Um, I'm not going to say the norm, but I know a lot of other people out there are saying that you've got to be everywhere all the time, all day long. And for me, I think, I think it really just depends on your particular algorithm. Meaning that for certain people who have a certain style of content and, you know, a certain type of audience, I know that's pretty vague, but um, they perform really well when they're posting every day or multiple times a day. I know people that post multiple times on Facebook and get great engagement. I think what people... get really stressed about is reading blogs and listening to podcasts and thinking, oh my gosh, I have to be everywhere all at once. I'm giving you permission to know that you don't have to be everywhere all the time. I find for me that I like to start and understand one or two platforms, get really good at that, and then I learn techniques and tools that help me apply to other platforms. So um, you don't have to feel like you have to do everything all at once. I feel that if you're newer to social media, or maybe you're not new, but you've been doing it for a while, it can be very overwhelming. So what I recommend is to really think about planning out your content. I'd rather see people create somewhat of a content calendar, whether that's actually a digital calendar or post-it notes, doesn't really matter. And you are coming up with ideas, writing down lists of questions that people may be asking you, things that you're passionate about talking about, things that have to do with your industry, things that just have to do with personal stuff, relatable stuff, and then going and creating a calendar and sticking to it and being consistent and creating higher quality content rather than a higher quantity content. Now, I also tell people that you know, for uh, the beginning, if you're, you're still not quite ready to start making your own video content or going live, which can be a bit intimidating, if you're new to it, you can let your comments be your content, meaning I can go out there and get my list of prospects and clients and I can encourage them by connecting with them and commenting on their posts. And that actually can become your content. You can absolutely build your brand through comments because your name and your face shows up every time you're commenting on somebody else's content. So I want you to think about, can you create a schedule? Can you make it realistic? Can you be consistent? And what you might find, like I did, is that actually posting less frequently with higher quality content actually got me better reach and better engagement than posting every single day and making a checklist in my mind. Oh, I have to go here, so I'm just going to post something today. You have to remember that the algorithms look at how many likes you get, how many comments you get, how many replies to comments that you're getting. So if you're posting every single day and you're not getting the engagement or the comments, the algorithm is going to not reward your future content and vice versa. So I want you to go and take a look at your content. How is it performing? Are you getting comments? Are you getting engagement? Are you getting likes? And if you're not, Think about how often are you posting? Are you posting once a month? Then that is definitely too little. If you're posting three times a day, it might be too much. So that's my 
my info on frequency. I do want to mention that a lot of people also ask me the best times to post social media. And I'll tell you that, you know, again, you guys know me by now. I'm not a hard and fast rule kind of person where it has to be between 12 and 1 on Tuesdays and at 9 p.m. on Thursdays. You could Google your face off and find all of these different articles about times and what seems to be better for posting. I'll tell you this. When you're trying to make a consistent schedule, sometimes the best time is whatever time works for you. If you're an early riser and 4 a.m. works for you, then make sure that's when you post. If you're a night owl and you like to post around 11 p.m., great. I would stick with whatever is attainable and realistic for you to actually be on some sort of a schedule. Something that I've used for Instagram lately, I've been testing out, is an app called When to Post. And it will look at your particular audience and it will tell you when they are most active. Now, you don't need an app to do that. You could look at your Facebook business page insights. You could look at your analytics and insights on Instagram and kind of see when people are there and more active. But that is a free app that I have used. And I've actually gone against it and I have not seen the engagement. So it seems to be pretty accurate. So that's what I have to say about times to post. Now, another question I get is, should I be posting strictly on my personal profile? Should I be posting on my business page? And what is my percentage of business to personal content that I should be doing? Here's the thing. Your personal profile is always going to have more engagement, generally speaking, because you have more friends than you likely have fans on your business page. The other piece you have to remember is that Facebook's algorithm is really prioritizing, and they've just made another announcement about this recently. Again, they are prioritizing content from quote, family and friends, people that would be on your personal page. They have said we are downranking, in many cases, business page content. It does not mean you should abandon your business page. Your business page is really important to get you SEO and to have your name being found in the top results of Google searches. It's important for reviews. It's important to have a place where you can do ads should you choose to do paid um, advertising or boosting or things of that nature. So I'm not saying you should abandon those things at all. But what I am saying is that you are going to get more juice out of the personal side rather than the business page. Now, what you could do also is it, with the business page, you can do a live video or recorded video. You can originate it there and then you can share it over to your personal. Now, if you have something that you're originating over on your business page, you are going to get those analytics and you're going to be able to create custom audiences of people who have viewed your videos and then retarget them with ads in the future. So that is one way to do it. Um, as far as percentage or ratio of how much biz to personal. The nice thing about our industry, and I would say, you know, there's other industries out there as well. The benefit from this is that our industry in real estate is personal. It's community. It's, it is, it's much more, you have the ability to be much more personal and still talk about business or talk about business and have it be a bit more personal than some other industries. But I mean, if you're looking for a hard and fast number, I mean, there's no black and white rule of thumb, maybe like five to one, five personal, then one business or 80, 20, 80 personal, maybe non-business related, uh, 20% business. So things of that nature. Now you're, you might have like heard or read books where it's like, it should be niche focused. Everything you should be doing should be posting your business. That absolutely can work too. Whatever you do consistently will work. And you just have to realize that if you are only talking about business and always doing a sales push, you still will have success with that with some people. It may just take a different amount of time. It may not attract 
uh, certain people. So I'm not saying that you can't talk more business and still be really successful. You can. Um, I do find that the more personal, relatable content and not always talking about business can also be extremely uh, community building, uh, network building, and also help you connect with people, especially with the stories platform. Okay, next question I get all the time is, how long is it going to take for me to see results? The old ROI question. And I'm not even going to tackle the ROI of social media question. Uh, that's really, actually, it's it's not really the same question. Um, the The length of time is a legit question. I can understand. If you've been doing it for a while and you're feeling frustrated or you're feeling overwhelmed and you're like, where are my leads? I thought this was supposed to work. I went to this conference. They said, if you do social media consistently that you will get leads. Yes. Okay. All of that. But here's the thing. It's going to be different for every single person. So I'm just giving you a super, super, super generic, maybe rule of thumb type of thing. Great book, if you haven't read it, is Known by Mark Schaefer. And he talks about this timeline of around 30 months before you really become known. And meaning your brand becomes known because you have been consistent and showing up and providing value and reaching out and being proactive. I would agree. I would say, you know, you're looking at least a year on social and multiple platforms and creating content on a consistent basis and proactively engaging and building that slow build with your community. But I would say probably around two years is when you're really going to sort of like see this major shift. If you've been doing it, if you've been showing up, you'll definitely get wins. It's very likely you'll get leads before, well before a year of doing this. But uh, there is something that I have seen as a, in, as in, uh, polling my personal friends. Like I'm, I have not done a scientific study or survey, but asking around my community and saying, when did it sort of just this light switch went off and things started to really work where people are reaching out to you and saying, Hey, I want to hire you. I want to work with you. When can we sit down? And it was right around the 18 months to 24 month mark. So you have to be consistent with it. It is a long game. Now, and a lot of people ask me in the same vein, do I need to do paid social media or can I be all organic? You can go all organic. You do not have to pay for social media, but just understand you're either paying with your money or you're paying with your time. You will have to spend time talking to people, watching people's content, engaging, creating your content. So it really just is a, what is the cost? Is it your time? Is it your dollar? You can be super successful with pretty much doing mainly just paid social media. Now, I think that the best way to do it is to have a good solid foundation of organic social presence and then layer on some paid on top of that. But there are plenty of people out there who only pay to play and they're doing really well and generating leads also. So um, I would say you can be successful doing both. I think my preferred method is to go organic, build through there, and then maybe add some paid on top of that. So we talked about how long to see results, and we also talked about paid versus organic. All right, let's move on to the next question or comment I get a lot. I hate live video. I don't like to watch it. Why would I do it? Okay, here's the thing. There are ways to train your algorithms. There are ways to train yourself to get better at content. And one of those ways is by going live. Um, video is obviously here to stay. It's huge. And I get it. Live video isn't for everyone. Not everybody doing live video is great at it. I personally don't love watching live videos unless it's really good educational content. So what I will say to you is this. 
even though we don't like some of the things, um, sometimes we have to look at where are our clients and what do they like? When I first started doing podcasting, I didn't love it, but you know what I found is that a large part of an audience that I hadn't been able to reach before really enjoyed listening. So I was like, oh, well, I, I better start doing more of it and stick with it. You may be very surprised that just because you don't like fill in the blank, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, you could be missing out on some great opportunities there. You could be missing out on not doing Facebook Live. Here's the thing with live. It's getting seven to 10 times more engagement than any other form of content on Facebook. That right there alone is a reason for you to do it because all you care about is putting billboards on the highway. You want people to open up those apps and see you on a consistent basis and see your face. So live video is one way to accomplish that. It's the organic or the free lead gen, the free branding. The other piece of it is, yes, you have to get better at live video if you expect people to stick around. Facebook just came out with an announcement that said, hey, we are looking at video. They didn't say live video or recorded, so I'm just you know applying it to everything here. That if you are going longer than three minutes, they're going to be possibly ranking that video higher, showing it to more people, giving it more reach. If you also have a one minute or longer watch time, that's going to help you rank as well. So this means you actually have to be prepared, think about what you're going to talk about, and fairly decent at keeping people's interest engaged. That means that the very first few times, the few first dozen times you do it, maybe the first 50 times you go live, you may not be able to accomplish that. You have to really think, do you have a framework? Do you have a a cadence? Do you say, hey, this is my name and today we're talking about X and this is why you need to listen because I'm going to go through one, two, and three. And number three, you don't want to miss because it's going to give you the secret for whatever. You know, that is, if, if you've seen people doing live video well in YouTube, you've seen them really master the headline, the grab the attention, the hook them in, and then the tease where they keep them in there. And that does take a lot of planning. It does take some time. It does also mean that you have to have calls to action. You have to show up and give value and you have to engage the audience. Uh, Some people get really nervous. I've done that before where I was planning on doing something on live video. The camera went on and it all went out of my brain. It's okay to have post-it notes. It's okay to say, oh my gosh, I totally forgot you guys. I wanted to cover these three things. The next time you can do better. You can just have that post-it note right there. So even if you hate live video, there are benefits of doing live video. Number one, just for the algorithm alone, the branding. Number two, you get better at all other video when you go live because there is no editing. So if you go live enough consistently, you'll get really great at stories. You'll get really great at speaking in front of people. So that is an added bonus benefit. And the other piece of it is that you might have clients out there that really like to watch videos. You could build audiences that you could target who have watched your videos. And don't forget, just because you do a live video does not mean you should not give it context, meaning a description, a headline, paragraphs of information, bullet points. Don't force somebody to watch your video to extract the content that you want to give them because I may actually not watch your video. But if you have a really good eye-catching headline and I can consume everything you're saying in the video in a bullet point, readable text format because I'm traveling or I'm in the airport, I'm in a public place, or maybe I just don't like to watch video, I'm going to be like, you know what? That was actually really valuable. Now I might engage with you. I might remember you. I might comment. I actually might even watch your video that I wasn't planning because you gave me the goods in a text format and didn't force me to watch your video. So those are my tips on live video. I absolutely believe that you should do live video for those reasons. Okay.
Let's talk about this one. I have a lot of people that say to me, I really like Facebook, but I don't like Instagram or I don't like LinkedIn or I don't like whatever fill in the blank might be. What I will tell you is this, is that there is an absolute fallacy if you think that your clients are not on different platforms. They absolutely are. Um, and, you know, these days, I just saw an article yesterday, actually, that showed uh, that Facebook and Instagram are neck and neck with people using it. And obviously, we know that the user ages continue to go up as well. So, you know, a few years ago, people would say, oh, Instagram's for the kids or, you know, there's millennials on there. Well, guess what? Millennials are buying 46% of the houses or they're making up 46% of the buyer profile. And we have to remember, too, that millennials are no longer 21. They are 31 and 33. And that just happens to be, you know, our buyer pool right now. So um, it is not true that there's only young people or older people or more business people or casual. It's those are all things that we tell ourselves. And I would really encourage you to think, just like I talked about live video, that even though you don't love whatever it is, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and you have your favorite. It doesn't mean you should ignore the other ones because you could potentially find some great connections, community, content, other people on those platforms. And I would tell people if you could get one or two leads, even a year, by just showing up on another platform that maybe isn't your favorite, but it doesn't cost you anything and you can work it into your content schedule, would that be valuable? And they all say yes. So I know you don't have to be in love with every platform in order to uh, to use it for branding and business. Okay, next question I get a lot is I don't get stories. I don't get it. I don't understand what to do with it. Um, I don't know what I should post on the feed versus in the stories. And so let's tackle that as our final question for the day. Stories are a very new format for many people who are used to the feed and posting photos and also just doing videos. And I can totally understand the trepidation around why would I want to create content that disappears or what exactly do I put into that? There are no rules for what you can put into your stories. Generally, when I start people teaching them, hey, here's what a story is, here's how to use it. The hardest part is to um, remember to get the phone out multiple times throughout the day because the story to me is almost like the documenting of your daily life. You know, kind of if you think about what do you do first thing in the morning, you wake up, maybe you have coffee or tea, maybe you read, have a routine, maybe you're working out, getting ready for the day. And you could easily create a story around simple things like that. There is magic in the mundane. There are ways to engage with people about things that you would think nobody would want to talk about. For example, Coffee Mate or a coffee creamer, what your favorite coffee creamer flavor is. And you'd be surprised. Like there's people that are like team hazelnut, team vanilla, you know, I just like my coffee plain, that sort of thing. So I know this sounds, you know, kind of ridiculous to some people's mind. They're like, I wouldn't want to consume any of that content. But what's happened is that we've become a society and a culture that really likes to see this window into other people's lives. And when I talk about the five E's of content, one of those E's is exclusive. And a lot of people think of, oh, exclusive needs to be this really big reveal, this like secret, you know, off market property. But exclusive is your life because people don't get to go home and live with you. So there is an interest, a human interest and being able to see sort of behind the scenes. So I think of stories as those little clips of behind the scenes of what your day is like, what it might be like to work with you or to live with you or just to hear your almost um, 
you know, your thoughts like could be like a personal sort of diary. I mean, I'm not saying that you have to get really personal in your stories, but I would post something that would be maybe a live video that's educational in my feed. Whereas in my story, I might uh, talk about the process of me coming up with the idea. Today, I want to do a live video. So I'm going to my content calendar and this is what it looks like. And I'm kind of running through these couple of ideas. I might pull the audience and say, hey, would you guys rather watch a live video on this topic or this topic? And then you can use the little polling sticker. So that's how you can take this one idea of, okay, I'm going to do a live video on this topic or I want to do a live video. Let me find out what people want to talk about. And now you've made three or four or five little individual stories that have to do with something that's going on behind the scenes. You're also sending a message that you are creating content, that you are engaged in your industry, that you are a thought leader by subtly talking about the fact that you are creating content and you're showing behind the scenes of the process. You might actually get into a conversation with somebody who direct messages you and say, oh, this is how I do my content planning, or that was helpful. Here's an app I use or, you know, anything like that. So you'd be very surprised at what kind of conversation could happen. So that's how I sort of think of what am I putting in the feed versus what am I putting in the stories? Um, And I would engage people and ask them, to participate in your day and use those engagement stickers like the polls and the quizzes and the ask me anything, because that is a way to um, connect with people, start conversation. And it's a really fun way to increase engagement on stories. So the value of the disappearing content is really about attention in the sense of, you know, we are new people every day we wake up, we have a new fresh 24 hours, that's how stories are. And if you don't tune in, you are not going to be able to see it. So it's interesting, because when Snapchat first came out, it was the only disappearing content we had at the time, and you did not get a do over, you got to see it one time, that was it, they've since changed that. But imagine the amount of attention that was going into those stories. Because if somebody said, you get one chance to see this, and then it's gone, People will be paying 100% attention. So as far as stories goes, Facebook has announced they're going all in on stories. They are very, very focused on this. I think there's over 500 million daily users of Instagram stories. People are loving them because they're real, they're relatable, they're human, they're full screen, there's no distractions. It's you and your face and people's brains connecting with that. So I definitely recommend if you haven't gotten into stories yet, it is not too late. You need to be creating stories. I'd recommend creating stories every single day, at least five a day. Uh, I wouldn't even go, I would say even going up to 10 to 20 a day is not too many because remember, people can just tap right through. They can stop, pause, come back, pick up where they left off. It's not the same as being inundated with two, three, four feed posts in a day. It's a different dynamic. It's tappable. It's micro content. It's not like somebody is going to be sitting down and getting ready to watch your 10-minute live video versus just tapping through less than a second at a time, you know, probably a half a second, a millisecond to tap through to the next story. So you want to think about what is micro content. um, Think about behind the scenes. Nothing is too small. You can make anything interesting and definitely, definitely start getting into stories. Speaking of stories, I story everything every day. I'd love to connect with you, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast on Instagram. It is my jam. I'm also offering free Instagram bio audits. So if you want me to take a look at your bio, your profile, and tell you how you can improve it to attract your ideal audience and generate leads, send me a direct message. Let me know that you heard this podcast and you're coming from the podcast, The Voice of Social Sales. 
and I will be happy to give you your free audit. I look forward to connecting with you over there. I'm ex- excited about the next upcoming episodes. Um, as I mentioned, I'm going to have more Instagram experts on. So if you guys are looking to grow your Instagram, connect with me over there. I will look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks so much for joining, guys. See you later. Bye.